Hey guys, welcome in. Ugh, Mason, you bought a hero sandwich? Yeah, Paul, I wanted to do a whole gourmet thing, but I'm not actually a good chef. So there's a bunch of burned food in the trash, and for dessert, I made a souffle, but I did something wrong. Just like my mom makes it. Is your mom not a good chef, Flowery? Oh, my mom is terrible. She can find a way to drain the flavor from store-bought sauce. It's actually kind of amazing. Is this gonna be a thing now? Are we just gonna try new foods every game night? Some people have parties, Elvis, and some people form parties. Adventuring parties. Oh my god, that's so lame. Wallow in it! It's who you are, Lowry. Paul, did you do all your homework? Yes. Paul got homework? Yeah, I wanted to be a big kingpin guy, so I had to learn all of Mason's NPCs. Yeah, I'm doing this, like, story-driven opener this time, so not everyone meets at once. It's gonna be cool. Okay, so Elvis, I'm gonna start with you. Your character makes granola bars, is that correct? I'm an old woman who's perfected granola bars, and through healthy eating, I've lived to be 112, but I feel a spry 63. All right, perfect. So what's your kitchen like? It's a traditional cottage, but it's filled with all kinds of weird contraptions and strange cloning vats. My health food is based on strange and unethical sciences. Does anyone else work with you? I have a few line chefs who I refer to as my grandkids, but when they're off the clock, they never call. My company is a family. All right, well, you're in the middle of a typical workday, double-checking the fluids on your strange organic vats, making sure the temperatures and pH are just right, and you hear overhead the thup-thup-thup of a helicopter. It sweeps in quick, and then there's a thumping on the roof. Oh, no! Oh, they finally come for me! Grandkids, protect Grandma! I'll give you extra granola cookies! A grenade flies through the window, trailing a yellowish, heavy smoke that fills up the room. Some of the smoke gets in your mouth, and you realize it's mustard! It's mustard in gas form! Mustard? That'll get on the granola! The fiends! They've ruined it! Men fly in on zip lines. They're firing their guns, and Granny Elvis, you're hit! You drop to the floor, clutching your chest. It's covered in blood. But as your eyes focus and you realize what's on your hands, it's ketchup! The bullets are made of ketchup! What? What What horrible monsters would do this? Who would bring ketchup into a good kitchen? They black bag you. They zip tie your hands, pick you up, and drag you away. You can feel a guy putting his weight on you. Eventually, the commotion dies down. They unzip a part of the bag around your mouth and hold your nose. When you open up your mouth, they shove something in. And that's when you're hit with an adventure in flavor. You don't have to chew. The meat completely disintegrates in your mouth. You've just eaten what you can guess is the most expertly prepared baby back rib you'll ever taste in your entire life. The pressure on your back fades away. Then you can hear sizzling and the sound of birds. You can smell barbecue. Someone takes the black bag off your head and you really are in someone's backyard. You're on a deck, but it's arranged like an office. You're sitting on a deck chair. In front of you is a grill laid out like a desk. On the other side is a humanoid figure wreathed in flames. He's like an angel, but wearing sunglasses. And he's got on one of those novelty print shirts with flames on it. He flips a burger. Grandma Elva, it's my understanding that you discovered how to turn a live human into a compact, delicious granola bar. No? Maybe? I'm a visionary! Who are you? What is... what... Are you with the feds? I'm Guy Inferno, one of the most premier chefs and food critics in the entire multiverse. I've sampled more dishes than any other being, alive or dead. So many of them were so good, and yet so many more were so, so bad. So, what is this, a critic thing? Yeah, well, in that case, you could have just asked. I'm willing to hand out samples for the food critics. No need, Granny Elva. I already know you're a bad chef and you make bad food. What? How dare you? I make food healthy enough to cheat death, and it's still delicious! You're nothing more than a vampire, Elva. Using the life of your fellow man to sustain your own is a dark path. And you can't do it forever. 
When you cross a certain flavor threshold, pretty soon your food is all anyone can think about. You'll extinct your own race. Well, a lot of people don't live very healthy lives. Uh, a race that dies from being too healthy sounds like, well, it's counterintuitive, but it's perfect. What I do is a public service. Nope. What I do is a public service, Elva. Would you like to try a burger with my special sauce? Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I only eat granola. Hamburgers are not good for you. Inferno pulls a small bottle out of his pocket and drips it onto a burger. Come now, Elva. I'm sure you can break your diet just the once. He scoops up the burger and puts it on a bun. He adds cheese, lettuce, and tomato. The aroma is positively mouth-watering. More than anything, you'd like to try that burger. Well, I guess it doesn't hurt if you welch on your diet on the rare occasion. I take the burger. When you bite into that burger, you're taken on a flavor ride. You're overwhelmed with sensation. Everything is lost in this burger, even your sense of balance. All is burger. All is good. The room spins away and all that's left is you and the delicious meat covered in sauce made by an angel. You eat voraciously and as you finish off the last few bites, you find your senses gradually fading back in and you're staring down in a dingy tin prison toilet. Feast your eyes. That's the most sensation you'll get here for quite some time. You turn and see a sort of portly looking man with a mustache laying on the bottom bunk of a prison bed. He's wearing a bright orange chef's outfit. Who are you? Why am I? This is all happening a little fast. You're in the flavor zone. To be more specific, you're in our cell. Welcome home. The flavor zone? As you spin around and get your bearings, you realize you're trapped in a small cell. There's nothing in it but the bed, the toilet, and this man. And you're also wearing an orange chef's outfit. You don't know when you changed. You still didn't tell me who you are. Where'd I get this outfit? My name is Paul, but around here they call me the Godfather. Or sometimes just Papa. My specialty is pizza. Pizza? Your scorn wounds me, madam. It's nothing but homogenous crap. How can you call that a specialty? I get off the bunk and I start pacing in dramatic circles around Elvis. The exact definition of a pizza dish can be quite liberal. All you require is a substrate, a sauce, and some form of topping. With enough ingenuity, anything can become a pizza. Everything can become a pizza. What's your specialty? You haven't heard of me? You haven't heard of the great Grandma Elva? I stop. One of the precious few pleasures of the Flavor Zone is meeting extraordinary new people. Indulge me, Elva. I'm sure that what you do excels beyond imagination. You couldn't be here if that weren't the case. What is it that you do? I make granola, you Philistine. I make the best granola. Turn around and monologue while walking away. You don't merely make granola, do you? No one finds themselves in the flavor zone for merely making things as one dabbles at a hobby. All right, fine. So some of my recipes are a little unethical, but I'm getting old and I'm not ready to die. Sue me for being human and proactive. Human? That's a lawsuit that I would lose. We aren't human, Elva. Have you ever really considered the totality of our work? An engineer concerns himself with physics, with the ductility of objects. A chemist thinks of reactions, balancing the right quantities of one volatile material against the next. But do we not consider these things when we make a meal? And we go beyond. The sight, the smell, the sound, the atmosphere of your restaurant. What part of the natural living world doesn't belong to the talented chef? Expand your talents far enough and all that makes up life becomes the essence of your craft. We are not merely human, Elva. Each and every one of us here in the Flavor Zone is in some fashion divine. 
The flavor zone is not merely a cell you're trapped in, not merely a prison. It's its own dimension, sequestered away from all the others. Guy Inferno fears us, Elva. Fears we've touched the face of God. And were we to go any further in our craft, we'd be more than can be contained. As God made hell and cast Satan in for his arrogance, so has Guy Inferno made the flavor zone for those who dare to rise above their pedestrian peers. You're here, Elva, because you have the audacity to be more than human. It is my pleasure to meet you. Oh. Well, likewise, I suppose. I had never put it in those kind of flowery, you know, talking terms, but I just thought of myself as more practical than most people. You know, how you, if you really think about it, all the nutrition a healthy body needs already exists in a healthy body. And now listen, I know that sounds redundant at first, but when you think about it, it's really simple. The tautology of things being as they are doesn't escape me in the slightest. A loud buzzer rings and your door slide open. You'll have to run the details by me soon. For now, you've arrived just in time for lunch. People of all shapes and sizes start moving out of their cells. You walk out in the hall and find yourself in a dizzying vertical complex full of hundreds if not thousands of humans, animals, and aliens, all wearing the same orange chef's outfits. All of these people are food criminals? Far more than that, Elva. All of these people are food geniuses. A small greasy-looking man with bulbous eyeballs runs up behind you guys. Jeez, Mason, it took you long enough. I've been waiting forever. It was only like five minutes. Paul's over here sucking all the wind out of the room. Talk about long-winded. I had to practice for today's game. I've been pacing around my room talking to myself in this voice all week. Anyway, an ugly, greasy little dude runs up behind you. Hi, Paul. Who's the new blood? Another lady? Uh, uh, excuse me, ma'am. I don't suppose you're seeing anyone. The only one I'm seeing is Granola. And also Jesus. Who's going to thank me for unlocking the secrets of Granola? He's going to tell me I made man in the image of Granola. And also in my own image. And I am Granola. And then he's going to become Granola and it's going to vindicate my entire life's work. Lowry, this is Elva. She arrived just a few moments ago. Her specialty should be self-evident. Well, they do say you shouldn't hook up with the crazy ones. But lady, let me tell you. You should make an exception for me. Just this once. I swear my problems can be managed with medication. Elva, this is Lowry. He specializes in beans. His chili dish completely buried his entire metropolitan area. Yeah, I did an endless chili bowl and buried the city. There were no survivors. That's when Guy Inferno showed up. He locked me away, but you know what? I hear sometimes people get his ribs with a side of beans, and his recipe for beans sounds awfully similar to mine. You think he stole your recipe? We don't know that he steals recipes, but we know he fears the potential held within each and every one of us. Come along, let's allow ourselves to get settled in, and I'll introduce you to some of our more notable residents. Finding the cafeteria isn't difficult, because all you have to do is follow the throngs of chefs headed in one direction. Along the way, you see guards patrolling from high walks that seem accessible only to them, and there's security cameras everywhere. They're heavily armed with the same kind of equipment they use to storm Elva's kitchen, but given how many inmates there are, at a glance it's obvious there's not enough of them. You arrive into sort of an open-air setting that looks like a rec yard, but it turns out to be the cafeteria. There's a large open yard space below and a sort of coliseum arrangement of decks around it. There's tables on every level. You see a lot of chefs folding their paper napkins into elegant shapes before they sit down. A few inmates have set up reading lights in plastic cups so they look like candle lighting. We're not given much in the flavor zone, but you're seeing a veritable harvest field of the most creative people in any universe. We make do to create the proper atmosphere with our mealtime. In years past, we were permitted to buy saltine crackers from the canteen, but after a guard lost a leg and both of his eyebrows, that's sadly no longer an option. Leave it to the over-eager to discover an exciting new trick and not patiently teach the rest of us. 
I sit down and fold my napkin into a nice shape, then unfold it and drape it over my legs. I guess I do the same, but without folding the napkin up neat in the first place. I stuff the napkin in my shirt like a bib. Paul, I'll never understand how you get to be so fancy about pizza. It's just pizza, right? It's an everybody food. I don't know how many times, Lowry, that I'll have to tell you that I made the best pizza. Powerful men ate at my restaurant. Mine was a meeting place of influence. A staple name on the lips of politicians, kings and queens, business leaders alike. To be called the godfather of pizza was no mere title. Yeah, sure, whatever. Where I'm from, if you came from poverty, you own that poverty. A bad part of town means that you know how to cook. Is my parking lot too small? Looks like the lunch rush is going to be manageable for my boys, you get me? I only allowed reservations. That's how I managed the crowds. Reservations for pizza. See, that's what I like about beans. You do a big batch pot and just ladle that stuff into cups for everybody. Never see the beans stop moving. Well, I say if you can't wait for perfection, you don't deserve it. Would you have rushed Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel? Why would Michelangelo paint the Sistine Chapel? Because he painted the Sistine Chapel. No, no. Okay, okay. See, in my dimension, Master Splinter painted the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo was just a bum who loved pizza. In my dimension, Master Splinter is a country singer. He also had a sitcom where his daughter gets pregnant out of wedlock. All right, yes, I see that we're all confused about our diverging cultural touchstones. Also, the Sistine Chapel is where Simon and Garfunkel got married. It's in Los Angeles. Does that line up for it, anybody else? It, it, it's immaterial. Comparing beans to pizza is like comparing sculpture to oil painting. These are two austerely different mediums. Another inmate approaches your table. He's carrying menus made out of scrap newspaper, but they're folded up very nicely. He hands them out to everyone and there's a variety of options written on them, but there's no description and no prices listed. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Flavor Zone Cafeteria. Is this your first time with us? It's actually my friend Elva's first time. Do you have granola? I'll see if I can help you, ma'am. What sort of granola dish did you have in mind? Well, I'm all about health food, and as it turns out, granola is about the healthiest food there is. Did you know that when properly prepared, there's enough energy in a single flake of granola to drive a car to the supermarket? Well, if it's nutrients you're after, I would recommend a turn fad under particle. What we do is take the usual nutrient gruel and trap as much of the scent and flavor as we possibly can under a container of particle board. It comes with the delightful garnish of Movaisis Herb de la Cour. All right, that sounds good. I guess I'll have that. Excellent. And are the rest of you ready to order, or shall I give you some time? I believe I'll have the chef's specialty. The special? Don't you know that's where they throw all the old food? Yes, in some establishments, but in others it's an actual specialty. Look, you know how it is in your restaurant, but I'm just saying. I cover my mouth so the waiter can't hear. The flavor zone ain't the best joint in town. You ever seen a health inspector around here? How many times do we have to have this argument? Uh, look, I'll have the specialty, and my friend Lowry here will have the closest you can approximate to a bowl of chili. And no, that's not being derogatory. I've grown accustomed to excellence. Of course, sir. We only strive for the best. The inmate hurries off. So they've got inmates taking our orders? Seems a bit fancy for prison. Oh, no, no, no. When you're arrested, your line chefs will be rounded up and given an option. Either they turn on you and serve Guy Inferno, or they remain loyal to the sous chef and be incarcerated with them. Usually, the line chefs will be separated from the sous chef in separate cell blocks, and some of them keep themselves busy by acting at the capacity of restaurant help. It's degrading to the talents, and I hate to see them this way, languishing. But they are very skilled at what they put their minds to, and it staves off boredom. Who cooks the meals? They let the inmates near food? If you call it food, yeah. Some inmates require special attention. Cannibal Carl is surrounded by his food specialty in this prison, so he's often in solitary. 
And when he's loose, he's under close supervision. Because he doesn't do much with conventional food, he's trusted to work with the resources the Flavor Zone provides. If you can call them resources. The meager resources. If I must be honest, prepare for the paper of your plate to have more flavor than your meal. This is awful. They can't just do this to us for being visionaries. For knowing real food, I didn't even get a trial. My sentiments exactly. Yeah, well, life ain't fair. In this case, I believe that Guy Inferno merely has the advantage over us. Someday that won't be the case. Here, let me show you some of the talent. Down below, there's a few of our most notable cell block colleagues. I look for a big shark man. He's completely unmistakable. In the yard section of the cafeteria, there's a large shark man who looks to be about eight or nine feet tall sitting at a table. He's wrapped up in chains and restraints. His mouth is muzzled and he's sucking some kind of white paste through a straw. That one there is Snack Attack Mac, one of the most talented hibachi chefs in the known universes. His accuracy with cutlery is unparalleled. But in spite of his size, Mac has an uncanny level of dexterity and pinpoint accuracy with airborne food. He's at home with an open flame and needs very little to do his magic. He comes from an amphibious society that lives around active volcanoes. And in his prime, he heated his grill with volcanic lava flows. The art of hibachi dramatically increases the flavor of your chosen cooking ingredients without relying on spices. But like most of us, Mac wasn't satisfied with convention. He concocted more and more flavorful yet palatable dishes. Eventually, he discovered a recipe of such intense flavor that it caused sensory overload, and its victims suffer a convulsive stroke before expiring. Mac viewed these deaths as an unfortunate stepping stone towards approaching the ultimate height of hibachi, and for his ambition he received a visit from Guy Inferno. They used to let him walk around without the chains, and he juggled people he didn't like. Apparently word got back to Inferno about that, and he didn't like that Mac was doing any of his food tricks with the other inmates, so now he's all chained up. As I understand, the real reason Mac is under lock and key is because he can cut through stone with his bare hands. We've never seen him do that, though. It's only rumor. Alright, where's the ghost pepper guy? Paul points out an older gentleman with dark skin and a skull tattoo over his face. His body is decorated with tattoos of pepper plants that weave all up and down his arms and chest. He looks like he spent most of his life out in the sun, but there's a sort of storm cloud around his demeanor, and the other inmates are avoiding him. That man is La Eterna Pimienta Fantasma an expert of traditional Mesoamerican cuisine. In his home dimension, he was surprisingly resourceful as a forager. His specialties include a sort of spicy acorn dish with an avocado spread and a corn tortilla. It sounds primitive, but he makes it work, and the presentation is lovely. He uses corn leaves as a garnish. His foraging trips became a sort of spiritual event, and on one such excursion, he dreamt the revelation that spicy foods cause the soul to ever so slightly leave the body through the nose and the mouth. From there, he began experimenting with different kinds of spice intensities until he found a recipe which would successfully eject one's soul entirely, causing an out-of-body experience. This might be enough to raise eyebrows, but then Phantasma committed the ultimate sin. He harnessed a soul and experimented with it as an ingredient. He did this merely three times before being pounced on by Inferno's goons. Goodness, I never thought of a soul as being a possible ingredient. Do you think souls would make good granola? Madam, you'll learn more about food here in this prison than you'd ever think was possible. If a soul can make good granola, I'm sure you'll find a way. You know, I always had a theory about spicy chili making people's souls leave their bodies. Only in my case, I figured it didn't leave their mouth. It came out the other way. Well, I'd object to the sanitation of using those souls for food. Yeah, that's why I never thought to do it. Alright, look for the bald guy. This guy is pretty non-notable at a glance, so it's hard to tell who Paul is pointing out at first but it's an otherwise nondescript bald guy with a beer gut and a paper hat. 
He looks really sad. One of the most tragic cases is Bald Spalding. Originally a hot dog vendor, Spalding dreamt of creating hot dogs which would remind you of past sporting events. You close your eyes and you're transported back to another time. He focused on making these events occur with more and more clarity, and eventually realized that food isn't just about aroma and taste, but that it also has a spatial and temporal component which can be manipulated with the right knowledge. His first breakthrough transported him, literally, to his local baseball stadium. With practice, he was able to travel through time, back to the stadium at specific dates. Finally, he began experimenting with other foods. A South Vietnamese dish would take him to South Vietnam. A Coney dog would take him to Coney Island. And it didn't stop there. What of spatial flavors with which man had no familiarity? He traveled the stars, experiencing new cultures and foods, never using this power for good or ill, merely reveling at its astounding capacity, until one day he made a fateful mistake and transported himself to the Flavor Zone. Guy Inferno was completely unsympathetic. If you ask me, it was nothing but jealousy. Inferno's dishes are known to transport you to another place, but they aren't believed capable to take you to another time. By all rights, it seems that Spalding has surpassed Inferno and is now being punished for his arrogance. Is there a limit on these incarcerations? When does he get out of here? When do I get out of here? Never. We've never seen anybody leave. Not as yet. We've seen plenty of suicides, though. Well, suicide seems extreme for a place full of ambitious people. The waiter comes back with your plates. Everyone gets the exact same white paste, but Elvis, yours is placed under cardboard. When you bite into it, you discover it has absolutely no flavor whatsoever. Ugh. Somebody in the kitchen cooks this? They mostly just unwrap the plastic packaging and squeeze it out of a tube. Okay, I changed my mind. How do I kill myself? I can't live like this. Alright, taffy guy. Paul points out a tall, thin man with a rubbery gait to his walk. His head is bobbling all over the place and he's wearing a headband that flaps around like crazy. That's Lafferty Taffy a candy enthusiast who's pushed his own body to the limits of flexibility to become more one with his favorite confectionery treat. But it's not training alone that led him to be that way. Lafferty is a brilliant biologist, and he's altered his physical body to actually possess the consistency of taffy. Rumor is he excretes glucose, though don't let word of that reach Inferno. There's a strong black market here for sweeteners. A mere gram can be traded for virtually anything, making Lafferty a veritable gold mine. He changed his body into candy? And yet he doesn't have a sweet disposition. That's the worst thing I ever heard! Did you know a body already contains all the nutrients you need to support a healthy body? And he turned that into empty calories? I believe you've mentioned that, yes. Okay, last guy. Paul points out a fat guy wearing newspaper in his ears to look like a laurel wreath. A woman is feeding him nutrient paste by hand. We call that man Captain Crouton, but never directly to his face. He prefers to be described as the Caesar, and is a master of the art of the salad. Fruit salad, chicken salad, and yes, Caesar salad. Those aren't even entrees. I agree with you, Elva. That guy's a hack. Did you know that he once said that chili is a salad? The nerve of some people. Be calm, the two of you. Genius always requires a special perspective. Captain Crouton may be rough around the edges, but to some, he's the best part of the prison. He holds sway over a large, organized swath of the flavor zone, able to mix and influence surprisingly disparate forces. It's because of him, should we escape, that an escape would be possible. I, I should, is that today? Yes, my friend. Did you forget to mark your calendar? What's I today? I thought that was next week. Why didn't you tell me it was today? Silence, Lowry, it's already begun. What's beginning? Paul points to Snack Attack Mac. Somebody walks by him and opens up a packet over his shackles. It seeps into the joints and starts to fizzle. A guard spots it and shouts, Hey! 
but it's too late. Whatever was in the packet, it instantly inflates into bread, forcing the shackles apart, releasing Mac. Mac leaps to his feet and tosses one of the heavy restraining devices at a guard. It bounces off of that one, flies across the room, and lands on another guard, knocking them both out. Guards begin shouting and ketchup bullets start flying. The entire cafeteria explodes into pandemonium. Someone whips out a can of squeezed cheese, and then the mustard grenades start landing in the courtyard. That's why I chose the balcony seating today. Come on, let's go. We've got work to do. I hop up. Don't leave me. Where are we going? What's going on? The alarms blare overhead. Elvis, you're not sure what's supposed to happen normally when the alarms sound, but it looks like the other inmates aren't doing it. You can smell raisins, cookies, curry, all kinds of things. You haven't been here long enough to know how contraband works, but apparently the flavor zone had plenty of flavor in it after all. This is your second chance, Elva. Stick with me and we'll make the best of it. 